Welcome to episode 310 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. This is the only pinball podcast that runs on node boards, and we're going to jump right into it. It's been a busy week. It always is in pinball, and this is the podcast you go to for the gossip, the news, the rumors. We're going to talk everything that has gone on in the last few days. Andrew Highway has resurfaced. Uh, a pinball machine has been stolen. A five-pack of pinballs is now $10. Stop the press. Head-to-head pinballs back without Ryan. My God, I hope he comes back soon. Uh, Nate Shivers returned interviewing Gene X Wong. Oh, man, I thought it would be some bigger personality in the pinball world but anyway here we are on episode 310 and let's jump right into it so here's what i want to talk about first on this episode i want to talk about a chicago gaming company they responded to the decals and the splitting cabinets that people are reporting on the monster bash remake now it turns out that the cabinets are not splitting the issue on the game and they've said this it's affected one percent or less of games they've sent out they believe the issue has to do with the cold weather and shipping these games in cold weather and wrapping the decal around the front of the cabinet is causing the decal to sort of shrink a little into that seam so it's not the wood splitting as some people are are worried about and so they have solved the problem by simply not wrapping the decal around the cabinet, and they believe that will uh, prevent it from creating that that sort of that line in the decal that people are noticing. And I assume they will send people new decals who have experienced that problem. But good to see Chicago Gaming Company are responding to people who are having issues with that. So that is the latest on that issue. Um, let's go on to Spooky Pinball. Where is Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? It's the game that just keeps on not wanting to actually get to customers. We know they have a bunch in box. We know they're about to go out to people. But man, Spooky has really tested the patience of buyers of this game. Have they not? I mean, it will be in March, which is next month. It will be one year since this title was revealed. A a full year. And I have not seen many people unbox this game. And the majority of 2019 is just going to be this game going out because they're they backlog. They owe people these games, and so that is where we're at. Do you want to do you want to cry about something? If you took the one thousand dollars that you gave to Spooky Pinball as a non-refundable deposit, and you bet that the L.A. Rams would only score three points in the Super Bowl, do you know how much money you would have? A one thousand dollar bet would net you in your account four hundred thousand dollars isn't that isn't that incredible i saw that because there was a news story where a dude bet 250 bucks and won a hundred thousand dollars back on it incredible hindsight is always 2020 uh okay so spooky we'll see what's going on over there it's not like them to be so delinquent on getting people games in a timely manner but uh, this has happened, and uh, you know we'll see if the game is worth it. That's the one thing we're w- looking to see. American Pinball, 
where the fuck is Oktoberfest? It can, every month we get further and further from October, it becomes a real head-scratcher as to why they revealed this game at Expo. If you think about it, and, and I know, I get people people keep saying I'm, I'm unfair to American Pinball, and I'm going to read some of your emails, and people have called me out on that as well. I'm, I'm unfair to these guys. I'm not giving them a shot. They, 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 Canada, you're, you're so down and out on American Pinball. Uh, so what was, tell me, what was the strategy to bring the game out in October and reveal it to the world? And, you know, okay. So October was five months ago. So you reveal a game five months ago. And then what do you do? Have you continued to keep this game top of mind uh, out there in the pinball world? Have you continued to excite people by showing them the game? I almost forget what it even shoots like because I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any, if they've made any improvements to the shot geometry. I don't know what is going on with this game. I assume they're going to bring it to TPF to show it again, reveal number two. I hope they come back with an all-new art package. I've seen the latest cabinet artwork design. We've all seen that. But I, I really don't understand it. I, I really don't understand how you just go five months dark on a game. And, you know, this is just where we're at. This is how these companies have decided to reveal their titles. And, again, I, I think I'm going to be accurate in saying that they're not going to be able to get the hype back. Um, and I think, you know, revealing it number again at TPF, uh, it, it better blow people away. There, there better not be, uh, you know, artwork that is not appealing. There better not be animations that look bad. They've had another five months to polish the game. So hopefully it comes back and, and it, it has to be like, take my money now kind of experience. And, you know, the, the but again, it's going to be like, it's going to be the freaking spring summer by the time they're shipping Oktoberfest. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, all right, Stern of the Union in February. Ironic that we got the Stern of the Union sort of at the same time of the presidential State of the Union. So did anything interesting happen in the Stern of the Union address? I, I say this, on the new website, the Stern of the Union has become more about, it's almost like a, a full like blog post sort of recap of everything going on at Stern. Uh, they talk about monsters at CES. They talk about the monsters launch parties. They talk about the Stern Army updates. Like apparently, this is you know this <laughs> these these generals in the Stern Army, you get like promoted from a private to a private first class to a specialist, and it's kind of nice recognition of all the people out there uh, that are putting Stern pinball machines on location, that are hosting league nights. I, I do like the fact that they recognize those people in in such a way. Uh, the Stern Pro Circuit championship is happening a really cool poster by zombie yeti that stern uh has has put out there and it's let me see it's on march 9th so it's like the 40 best pinball players in the world um i was 41 this year so apparently i won't be uh invited to to be a part of it uh but jack Janger is going to stream it so if you guys are into tournament pinball that march 9th is a date to look out for uh, let's see what else is going on in the world of pinball and the stern of the union address you know, some of it, they were at the X Games. I didn't notice that. I guess JJ set up some pins. The Deadpool Ellie vinyl albums are finally shipping. Once again, you know, it's funny. The Deadpool topper is out, and now the vinyl record is out. How many months ago? Was it six months ago the game came out? Way to really have those those assets and those things ready to go with the game launch, guys. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, whatever. I mean, whatever. I mean, who even has, like, a record player? Do you, I mean, I don't know. Again, this is pinball collectors. They probably do. Uh, so the status of code, that's always, like, the big thing. So here's the deal. Deadpool, uh, the latest code is version 0.98, and it it is interactive with the topper. 
So if you have a topper, make sure you get that new code. The Beatles has new code coming this month. The Munsters, the, the team continues to work on the next code release. This is this is everyone's favorite. This one, the next one. Ghostbusters code update is delayed, but remains in our schedule. The, the source spot of Ghostbusters code update continues to be unbelievable. How many, how long ago did Ghostbusters come out? Wasn't it like two years ago, at least? Maybe longer? And you're still not done with the game. We know Dwight is working on the monsters, so he's clearly not working on Ghostbusters. You know what I would love to see happen? I would love for Lyman Sheets to come in and polish Ghostbusters. I don't. I think he's done that before, where he comes in and, and on top of someone else's code, sort of brings it home in in a unique and fun way. Has he? I think I'm. I think he has. And why not? I mean, he's a coder. Can he just simply? You know, polish out what needs to be polished and, and do what needs to be done in that game. But uh, I don't know. As a creative, though, too, I, I never like inheriting someone else's work and, and having to fix it. But uh, this Ghostbusters, I don't know if it needs fixing as much as it just needs to be finished. And people who have that game have been waiting a long time. Speaking of Ghostbusters, there's an LE for sale for like $7,300 in, in really nice condition if you want it. Ghostbusters remains the game that I look at I just want to I want to want it. I really want to want it more than I do. And the reason why I don't want it cuz I played it. It it's it's Stern's best visual game of all time, without a doubt. I, I I would look over that game and it gets me so excited and then you flip. And I can't oh, I wish they would just remake Ghostbusters. I wish they would have someone go over that game and redesign it. They'll never do it because Ghostbusters sold so well. And the people who bought the Trudeau version uh, would would basically burn the company down. But it it probably was, it and is the greatest pinball theme, uh, and the theme that lends itself the best to pinball, I think almost ever. And with the music, with the the fun factor, the Stay Puft Man, everything in it, like Slimer, it's perfect for pinball. And it just sucks that the final, the only Ghostbusters game we will ever get just shoots like shit and there's just nothing you can change there's nothing you can do about it all right so that's stern of the union anything else in the stern of the union before i move on uh engineering updates and then they're trying to hawk the accessories on us great i get it last chance to buy accessories for 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 ghostbusters all right so there's a post on pinside and this is something that we talk about a lot and we see people complain about a lot and that's dimples now someone posted a recent photo of a beatles pinball machine and they took a picture of it and it is the dark side of the moon the craters on this game are worse than i think almost any new game i've seen and it's hard to look at this and to understand what is going on and this game does not have ramps it doesn't have the ball sort of flying all over the place like a lot of other games. I don't understand why it looks like that. And I don't know what conclusion to come to. You know, you've got people saying they're using softer wood, they're using more clear coat. We know Stern saying that dimpling is normal. And we all have had Stern pinball machines in the past that have had very few dimples. Uh, we've owned other machines by other manufacturers that don't display nearly as much dimpling. So what is the reason why this happens. I, I don't know, I, 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 but I, I can tell you this, it does look like shit. 
regardless of the cause, I, 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 when I played the Beatles for the first time at, 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 at a modern pinball in New York City, the first thing I did was I did notice an extreme amount of dimpling on the game. And for such a highly sort of collectible piece of pinball, which, which, is, which is how it's being marketed, this is a game for collectors. I was I was really turned off by the amount of dimpling, and and same thing when I would look at the Batman Super Ali at Pioneer Bar, the dimpling and the cratering in the game was was just horrendous, and so it seems to be something that's happening on almost all new Stern machines. Now, it is why I use a playfield protector. I I literally would do not want. I use it again. I do not want to see a game and a play field so beat up and the whole notion that it will even out over time is also bogus i've never seen that happen with any of these new sterns so i don't know the cause it just is what it is i think people are not seeing nearly as many dimples on jersey jack machines or on american pinball machines or on spooky machines so until we i don't know if we'll ever get an answer but it it, it just is the modern state of stern play field so take it for what it is all right, let's talk about Munsters. So something interesting someone pointed out on the Munsters is when you look at the video clips on the Munsters, there's a weird arc, like a shading arc that goes over the video clips. It's really strange, and you have to look at it. He, he actually calls it out in the Munsters thread, and basically what it looks like is on the left side of the video clip, there it's a lighter contrast than on the right side, and there's like a picture of like, uh, Eddie Munster sitting on like at the table and what the chair on the left side of the table ha- is much lighter than the chair on the right side and you can actually see like through the middle of the screen is like this arch it almost looks like a half moon line that goes over the video clip where you can definitely see uh, it's it's different contrast between the right and left side of the video clip I know it's a little hard to follow that on a podcast but go look at it, and then he actually shows you where that line is. And then once you see it, you can't unsee it. So it's clearly something in how they process the video clips. Uh, I, I assume that they'll, they might not even be aware of this, but it is something that hopefully they'll fix in, in a new code update. It's just a weird thing. It's just a weird phenomenon that someone picked up on. I mean, it's kind of amazing, the eagle eyes that people have in this hobby. So something, the worst thing that could be happening to the Munsters right now, and this doesn't really mean much, but it's just funny to watch this happen on Pinside. The worst thing that could be that could happen to this game is that one individual, we know his name, he's now shilling the game in some weird way, and that is Hilton. And we know Hilton, it's so strange whenever he decides to pick a game that he then promotes. Uh, he almost like promotes it in this like grandiose way and it's and and I think he does it because he gets called out for being too negative but all we need to know is this what is always fun to watch when he always picks a weird game to promote is someone always reminds us of one game that he rated a certain way and he gave Metallica a one out of ten on on in terms of like pinball rankings on on pin side a one and so when you do that your opinion no longer matters. And he's also like, we've seen him before, shill games like 
Wrath of Olympus. And remember when he drew the all those lines on the alien play field to, to show us all how great of, of the, the game was and how it was the, a genius design. It was one of the best flowing pinball machines of all time. And yet every time everyone would step up to an alien, it, it's anything but that. I get it's an immersive experience, but alien pinball is not one of the greatest flowing pinball machines of all time. So if you're a manufacturer, you might as well suggest to Robin and everyone, you kind of want this guy not hyping your game because whenever he hypes the game the opposite usually comes true you know he also jumped on the Beatles train as well but it is I'd rather see him say nice things than negative things but it's just weird the way he picks his battles on pin side all right so let's see something else Stern uh, Beatles how is it selling how is Beatles selling the reason I ask this question is on pin side if you go into the Beatles club thread is this a telltale sign? In the Beatles Club thread, there is only and are only four pages of conversation. Four, which is nothing. In, in the Batman owner's thread, there's 247 pages. In the Alien, there's probably like 500. Four pages of people in the Beatles ownership club. Now, that could mean one of two things. It can mean that the game's not selling. That's why people aren't talking on the form about owning it or that the majority of people buying Beatles pinball are not on pin side and they're more of the Beatles collector and Stern's marketing that was targeting them was successful. I don't I don't know what which one it is. It definitely seems that there are more Beatles for sale than other pins that have been like in demand. Uh, and I see on eBay, there's still the platinum and, and diamond edition ones that are up for sale. I think we'll those $25 diamond editions are going to sit for a really long time. You're not going to see those things move quickly anytime soon. All right. All right. What else is going on? So there was an interesting take on Pirates of the Caribbean. And someone who owns a Pirates of the Caribbean and a Star Wars, I don't know if they own both, but they've definitely played both. Uh, they wrote an interesting post, and it's uh, it's Ala Dub Seat. I don't know. He's from England, but he wrote this comment, and I want to just read it on air because I do think it's an interesting take on how these two games uh, have sort of developed and 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 been coded. And he wrote this in the thread. This is the this thread always makes me laugh. It's like Jersey Jack Pinball Pirates of the Caribbean is really easy to understand, and then you open up the thread. And it's like so confusing what he's trying to explain. Uh, And it shouldn't be that difficult to explain how to play a pin. And apparently like Jersey Jack uh, Pirates is more of like a hero's journey. And so he writes this. I'll give my honest opinion. There's nothing inherently wrong with Keith's, um, hold on, with Keith's hero journey approach to the game rules. But this wasn't the best game to put it on. If you were to take Jersey Jack Pinball Pirates and Stern Star Wars with Dwight's more abstract, these are the things you want to hit, keep hitting them as a way to carry the big points for as long as possible and simply swap the two codes around, then both games would have been so much better or at least that much more immediate to get into. So what do you think about that? Do you think if the approach that's in Star Wars was put into pirates and pirates approach into um, Star Wars, it would it would be easier to get into. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is this. 
I do find both of those games confusing. I, I don't find either one of those games to be very intuitive. Uh, I've never liked the way Star Wars, a story that I completely love, has been so chopped up and and, and sort of all the layering and stacking of scenes. It just it seems so poorly done. And maybe what he's saying is Star Wars is more of a hero's journey as you're journeying as Luke Skywalker to defeat the Emperor. Maybe that approach, I, I, I don't know, is, is that even, I don't even know what Pirates is, how is it a hero's journey? I don't, I don't get it. You choose from 22 characters. So you're, are you, uh, are you choosing, but they're not all heroes. There's like bad guys. I'm still confused. I'm so still confused. Anyway, so here's some news for all of you out there. For those of you out there expecting to see a new Jersey Jack pinball machine revealed at the Texas Pinball Festival, I am here to tell you that you will be disappointed. There will not be a brand new reveal at Texas Pinball Festival for Jersey Jack Pinball. And I think that's a good thing. I've said it. I I, I can't criticize them for revealing games too early. It would be a mistake to bring a game there. So... That is not going to happen. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that the earliest, the earliest we will see a new Jersey Jack pinball reveal will be in the month of May for shipment in sometime, you know, probably later summer. So how does that sound? Then if it's a Pat Lawler game, is it Toy Story in May? Would that make sense? Because the new Toy Story movie comes out in June. That does seem to make sense. So hopefully... We'll see what happens. It also might be difficult because if there's stuff in the game that's based on Toy Story 4, then you can't show that in the game because you'd be spoiling the movie. Now, I don't think you need Toy Story 4 to be part of the game. I I actually think it would make most sense if Toy Story the Pinball Machine was simply based on the first Toy Story movie. And I I don't always think you need to have every single film represented in a game, especially when, even though all Toy Stories are great films, they all three are great, I do think you can make a pinball machine that's all about the first movie and, and getting Buzz and Woody back together again at the end. I, I, I just think it's such a nice, tight story. When you're trying to do things from all three, it makes it much more difficult. Remember, because the narrative in Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 is not one long trilogy. It's just three separate movies. The narrative in Lord of the Rings and the narrative in um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking, Star Wars, it's one, it's one trilogy. It's, it's, it, every movie continues the story to the finale, right? So it's like kill the emperor at the end of the trilogy And it's destroy the ring at the end of the third one there. And that's why those sort of themes work. It's also why Pirates of the Caribbean is a jumbled mess because it's five separate movies. Each movie has a beginning and an end. You could watch them independently of each other and you're fine. They each create a whole new narrative. And that's why I think the only pins based on franchises that should have all three are ones that the story was written cohesively, if that makes sense, all right? All right, so what does that mean? 
I think what we're going to get at, at Texas Pinball Festival from Jersey Jack Pinball, I think we're going to get the Yellow Brick Road edition of Wizard of Oz. And what I'm hearing from people is it's a more stripped down version of the Wizard of Oz, that it's more like a Wizard of Oz Pro. So they might be yanking some stuff out and lowering the price to get more people into the Wizard of Oz. Woz, we know, has been Jack's best-selling game. And, and so it, it sort of makes sense that he would want to keep that game on the line because it continues to be his moneymaker, his annuity. And I'm, I'm assuming that Pirates of the Caribbean sales are not as strong as they would have liked. And the delay definitely hurt them. All right. Speaking of trilogies, though, this is interesting. So The Matrix, there's a thread about the will The Matrix pinball ever be made? And we know that one was made from our, the friends over in Europe who made like 10 reskinned Johnny Mnemonic Matrixes. There's about 10 or more out in the world. There's a few in, in the United States. They sell for like twenty dollars to $25,000. And they're really, it's a cool machine. It's very immersive. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a reskin of Johnny Mnemonic. Uh would people love to see the Matrix be made into a pinball machine? I think unanimously that is such an awesome, deep storyline game that would make a perfect pinball experience. And 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 look, if Keith were going to make a pinball machine, I think a, a movie like The Matrix would be perfect for Keith because he loves to go deep with the code, and that is a very deep storyline. It, it, it syncs up perfectly. See, that's the thing is like going deep on Pirates of the Caribbean narrative doesn't make sense to me because it should be much more simpler and intuitive, and he, he went like deep with it. And I think the Matrix, though, is it would be like ideal for for a coder like Keith. Uh, but but here's why it'll never happen because Jersey Jack considers a movie like the Matrix to be too violent for families, and so he won't make it. Uh, although someone needs to tell Jack what the lyrics are to Guns and Roses. If he if he's thinking family friendly, how family friendly are these lyrics? You get nothing for nothing because that's what you do. Turn around, B-I-T-C-H, because I got a use for you. Besides, I got nothing better to do, and I'm bored. You know, Guns N' Roses is misogynistic as it gets. Uh, at least they were like when they were with Appetite for Destruction. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, but I mean, Jack just needs to get off of this. Like, we're going to make games for the family only. We're going to make games for operators. And it's just it's just silly. I think he's, he's leaving a lot of themes on the table that would work well for his company. All right. So let's... I don't think Jersey Jack will ever make The Matrix. But I would love to see The Matrix come out. So an alien pinball machine was stolen in Sweden. And I'll read you what happened. This, this guy writes, Hi, all. We had a client to us who bought an alien LE number 146... And it's stolen. And had it stolen. Okay, hold on. I just need to scroll over here. Okay, Alien 146 had a burglary this weekend and got his game stolen. All of us uh, on this side have our eyes. Please give us information if you find this game around. The game was stolen in Sweden, and I think it would be hard to tell in our country as it's a small country. And the pinball guys know about this also. Any hints, please send me information. And if you got a good price on the game, you all know why. From Kenneth Peterson. Now, what made me laugh about this is someone posted immediately after this and says, I think I know the getaway vehicle. And someone posted the hydrofoil that Andrew Highway purchased <laughs> leaving uh, supposedly the scene of the crime. Uh, look, it sucks when people steal pinball machines. Uh, if you do see an Alien 146 for sale, 
I would let these guys know and 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 recover it for the owner. Uh, they also seemed to they didn't just steal the pinball machine. They stole a bunch of computers and whatnot. So it was a legitimate burglary. But stealing a computer, like an Apple computer, is one thing. A 400-pound pinball machine that's humongous, a lot harder uh, to steal, and and it's a lot harder to sell, right? Selling a stolen those guys probably don't realize they stole a game that came from a company that collapsed where there's there's a hyper focus on them like it's super easy to identify each alien pinball machine you know they didn't steal a a ghostbusters pro where there's thousands of them they stole a game where there's literally only like 150 out in the entire world and so when this goes up for sale it's going to be a huge red flag i think they're gonna have a really hard time selling it and because Think about it. The only person who would really buy an alien pinball machine would be someone who's into pinball and they would know that they're buying a stolen good. So this is like this is going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. But anyway, we heard from Andrew Highway, which was interesting. So he posted uh, a, a thing outside of pinball that I want to read for you, but we haven't heard from him in a very long time. Apparently, his hydrofoil business plan did not get off the ground in Australia, and he's back in the UK. I don't know what he's doing. I never got served any papers uh, in, in the pending lawsuit when he said he was going to sue me, but let me read for you what Andrew Highway uh, said recently. Hold on. Let me pull it up here. All right, so he writes... Uh, I know a lot of people internationally. Maybe some think that the UK would be a nice place to live, but I doubt it. I've been married for nearly four years to my wife. She is Russian and has been living in the UK with a residency visa for 3.5 years. Today, her visa renewal was rejected. She can appeal, but can now be deported in as little as four weeks. The Home Office has offered me advice, though. As I visited Russia before, they feel I should move there learn Russian, and get a job there. So as a British citizen since birth, I apparently have no right to a family life in this country. Meanwhile, the country is at civil war over Brexit, uh, quite how people think this uh, country can survive on its own when it can't run trains with leaves on the lines, can't fly aircraft when there is snow, can't keep its roads in good repair, can't keep food on supermarket shelves, when there are a few days of snow, the list goes on. You know, I would, I would add to that list, Andrew Highway can't manufacture pinball machines that they promise people. Um, and then he writes, I'm really sick of the country I once loved and soon it will be time to leave. So uh, look, that sucks. I mean, the personal issue of, uh, I know what it's like. I, I married an Irish girl when your visa is, is not approved. Brenda got stuck in Ireland once for like three or four weeks waiting to get back into the country here. So that sucks. I mean, I don't, I don't wish that upon anybody. Uh, all I would say is this. If you see a Russian pinball company pop up in the next six months, buyer beware. All right, buyer beware. All right, what else is going on in pinball? Uh, let's see. Deep Root and Back to the Future. So, you know when Deep Root was teasing, they're trying to play around with like smoke and, and, and lanes of fire, and people were just assuming that was the DeLorean. And they commented on something, and Robert wrote, By the way, it is common knowledge by anyone who has inquired that Back to the Future is not available to be licensed. And so that has people speculating, well, is he saying that because they have the license, or is he saying that because it really can't be licensed? We also know that there was a Back to the Future pinball machine, so why can't it be made again? I don't know. I really don't know. But I do know that Deep Root will not be at TPF showing new games. 
Now, that just begs the question, what actually will happen at TPF? Uh, it It sounds like there are going to be zero new game reveals at the show. And I think that has to bum some people out. And, and we all know that the reason to go to shows is not just about the reveals. It is about hanging out with your pinhead friends that you don't normally see and playing pinball and, you know, drinking beer like you're in your 20s and staying up late and, and, and all that good stuff. And you'll still have fun at TPF. Don't get me wrong. But I do think it is a bit of a bummer that there is going to be nothing new shown to people at the show. And TPF is usually a platform in which we do get new game reveals and we do get to see stuff for the first time. And so, and and, and by that I mean new, new game. I don't mean like Yellow Big Road version of Waz. We were really expecting Deep Root Pinball to own this show. This was going to be the moment in which we were going to find out if if they were going to be able to deliver on all of their hype and we're just not going to know and we're not going to know and and TPF is just not going to be the place where it happens and then it just begs the question well then if not then when when are we going to hear this stuff all right so let me read some emails I got from you guys then I'm going to call it a day David Johnson writes code updates hey Chris heard you say how hard it is to update code on machines since you lose your high scores and settings did you know that Houdini updates don't lose settings and scores Josh has been an outstanding addition to the community for implementing details like this. I think it is long overdue that Stern and JJP catch up and make code updates easy. No reason why they can't. You want to help the community in a positive way. Make this a big issue. Never miss a show. See you in Texas. Dave. Angus on Pinside. Look, Dave, I agree. I don't understand why we can't update these games without losing all of our progress to date. And it's a little bit frustrating. Uh, It also is a little bit fun for people because everything starts over again. But I think when you start putting up big scores and you're proud of those scores... It's 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 not fun that to lose your combo record and to lose your this record and your that record. It, it, why why can't they do that? And I do. I think there there should be pressure on the other companies who have code updates, not for that code update to erase everything. So I'm glad that uh, Josh has coded that into Houdini. Got an email from Dave Sanders. I got a few from him. I'm going to read them both. The master. He writes. He's quite right. And there's also. Uh, and that's also why designing under Andrew's stewardship became such a slog and stopped being fun once full throttle had been set in stone and most of the creative control had been taken out of my hands. Designing by committee is always bullshit. It's like the Lorax movie. All the individual parts may be decent in their own right, but put them together in that combination and suddenly you may find you've absolutely missed the point of the source material. And it's the lack of enthusiasm that people pick up on. If you didn't have your heart in the product you were making, you're damn right that players won't get any reason why they should care either. Alien turned out as good as it did thanks to the American side of the team. Joe and Brian on code, David Thiel's sound ambiance, and Kelly, I'm going to butcher this last name, Kelly M's animations. By the end, they were the ones calling the shots on what should go into the game to fix it up as an experience as much as possible. They were executing the creative vision, and Andrew was too preoccupied with things at our end to try and control them. Uh, did I write animation? Question mark. I meant amalgamation. All right. Well, 
I agree, Dave. I totally agree. You know, something that people forget when you look at a pinball machine is is that it is a it's a creative toy. And when you play a good game, when you play a magical game, there's a cohesiveness to everything going on because the game was creatively directed by a winner, by a smart person, by someone who had a vision what he wanted in the game. And I think that's why people really enjoy the old J-pop games, even though the code is shallow. I think they really feel a connection to his creative vision. And I think when we look at the games that are hits, we also see that connection with the designer. And I think when we see games that are amiss, they do feel a little schizophrenic. They feel like the sum of the parts just doesn't work, that somehow... Uh, there's a little too much random chaos going on. It just it just doesn't click. It doesn't connect. And and I feel that you know and and that's sort of you know even how I feel about pirates. I I feel like there there just wasn't a simple creative di- direction for the game. I, I feel like the coders off doing crazy stuff. I feel like the mechs are being built. I feel I just feel like there there wasn't like okay here's the goal of the game. I just feel like they sat down with a ton of, uh, you know, movie scenes and and a ton of things that they had in their head, and they kind of like put it all in in, in random ways that just don't work for me, and and I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think I'm being too harsh. I I, I think that a game should have a, a simple, easily digestible creative direction, and if it doesn't, I think that's what misses the mark for me. All right. Okay, so let me also go on to, uh, let's see, Dave Sanders. He also wrote another thing. One thing about Angry Birds. The point that you're missing is how different the pinball marketplace was just six or seven years ago. Jersey Jack had yet to reveal anything substantial. Spooky hadn't even started. Stern were the only real players in town. The time to make Angry Birds would have been 2012 when we pitched it. Andrew wanted a slice of the operator market, and that would have been the game to hopefully bring in some new and younger players precisely uh, because of its casual pick-and-play theme. Redemption machines, for example, were filled with Angry Birds toys. Without that crucial avenue, the license was unfeasible. Nowadays, of course, you're quite right. Even if the brand still had the same pull, you wouldn't touch it with a barge pull. Look, Dave, I, I disagree. I don't care if it's 2012. I don't care if it's 1912. I don't care if it's 2024. Angry Birds just doesn't appeal to the pinball player nor to the pinball buyer. And Andrew Highway was creating a pinball company where he needed to sell pinball machines. This whole notion of his that I need to get this game on location is idiotic. Why? You don't need to get games on location to find buyers. You don't. The majority of pinball buyers are not location. They're not operators. So why do you need to get the game on location? And in fact, and in fact, the reason why Rovio passed on it is they didn't want it in bars, and they wanted to make sure that it was a game that would be bought by families and not by a bunch of you know drunken dudes at league night. So I, I just I, I I don't understand this. It's the same way I look at Jersey Jack. I don't understand why he thinks he needs to sell games for location play. A Jersey Jack pinball experience is absolutely horrendous on location. It's meant for a home environment. And that's okay because luckily for these companies, the majority of sales happen to the home buyer. 
And so it's just called market research. I, I think it's the reason why I think these guys want their pins out on location. It's more of like an ego play. Like, I want to see my game out in the barcade. And hey, if your game is great, the barcade guys will put it out on location. But you should still always make these games to appeal to the home buyer first. And that's my take. Unless unless you're making a cheap game, like a pro, because that's what this term pro is for. All right. I got an email from Jeffrey Jones, Munsters. Hey, Chris, good podcast today. FYI, there's a Munsters at Sunshine in New York. So I'm going to go check that out. Thank you for letting me know that. I got an email from Steve Paradis. Steve writes, Canada, you are probably right that I was a little hard on Stern. There are many people over there who live for pinball. I still hold a grudge after Williams closed and they survived. You do have to agree, though, that some things have really been questionable at times. Build quality, world under glass, or lack thereof, $9,000 LEs, $8,000 Beatles. But if people are paying the money, what do I know? I definitely would not. Well, Steve, first of all, that's exactly the reason why they do it. It's successful for them. Why would Stern not take the money that's on the table? All right. He then goes on to write, In general, there are really not many games from them that I really like. Lord of the Rings, Pinball Party, Batman 66. These are three machines I would actually pay money for. I hope they come out with more like this. Not all art and code. I'm looking forward to playing Monsters Premium. Jersey Jack. I really believe they are going to come through with a true masterpiece. Will they be able to survive the oversaturation and the next downturn? I very much hope they do. I don't know that they will. So first of all, look, Jersey, I we all want it. We all want Jersey Jack to have that masterpiece. I just the question I always have is how many chances are they going to get to get there? And my whole thing is this. It's like Einstein said, when you're making the same products with the same people with the same teams but you expect different results, isn't that insanity? So what will what will happen over at Jersey Jack that actually creates that masterpiece? Last time I checked, it's the same people, the same teams, the same individuals, and they keep missing the mark on a masterpiece. Now, some of you might think they've hit that before with dialed in, and that's cool. Again, re- remember, this is all subjective. This is all opinions, but I just don't think they've made a game that is a masterpiece yet. He then goes on to write Deep Root. I feel stupid having so much faith in this company, having seen nothing, but I really think they're going to do some wonderful things. If they do, it is really going to put pressure on every other company, even Stern. Steve P. All right, Steven, 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 Steven. Stern sells 10,000 pinball machines a year. Stern has a manufacturing capability that is untouched, unparalleled, and, 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 and above and beyond what anyone else has ever done in, in pinball in the last like 30 years, 20 years at least, right? So why would Stern feel pressure? Well, I, I, I don't get this. Stern is 90% of the market. They have some of the best themes in pinball, and they're able to crank out machines like nobody else. They have probably the best coder in all of pinball history. They have the best artists in pinball lined up currently. The Where they are weak is in the mechanical error of the games, but they also know that the mechanical side of pinball is also where you have most of your issues. And so they've decided not to rely too heavily on complex mechanical things and 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 simply, you know, put more emphasis on reliability and on code and on art and on theme. And and in doing so, they've been very successful. 
Now, again, this is not me saying that's how I would love it to be. I get really excited when I hear Robert talk about levitating balls and all the mechanical things they're doing and, and just wait and just wow. But what Deep Root has not done is ship a thousand games with complex mechanical parts in it that, that we know are reliable, that we know will hold up. We don't know that they can even ship games quickly to consumers. I mean, we've heard Robert say people are going to get their game within two weeks. So, I mean, look, it's it, it's painful to me that they said all these bold claims because not even Stern can get you your Stern LE within two weeks of order. So how are they going to do it when, when Stern has 200 employees, has an assembly line, has a distribution model, has everything in place, has 30 years of experience doing it, and then a company that doesn't have any experience doing it is overnight going to do it better? I mean, just think about that for a minute. Again, this is not me rooting against Deep Root. I really do. I can't wait to see what they do. But they've said some things that I don't think have Stern worried. I think they said some things that have Stern laughing. And and, and I think they're, the onus is on them now to not become the joke of the pinball industry. Uh, because they've teed up some really big promises and they now need to deliver. I would not have done it the way they did it in that sense. I also think the big the big question mark is is deep root and art is an art are deep root gonna reveal and release mostly original IP games and we know that original themes don't sell as well as as licensed themes. And are they banking the company on originality versus licensed themes? And how are you going to go against some of the powerhouse licenses that Stern has? And we'll see. Again, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on over there. All I know is what some people who have seen stuff tell me. All right. Steve also wrote collectability. He wrote, Canada, you touched on something important. One thing I don't think most people uh, what I don't think most people don't get is that almost nothing that was designed and marketed as a collectible ever actually goes up in value. Most valuable collectibles are things that were not expected. Baseball cards, comics, pinball games. I have tons of comics from the 90s. Very few are worth anything. Everyone bought them as collectibles and kept them in bags and, and boards, and they are in perfect condition. Millions of them. Same goes for baseball cards worth 10 cents on the dollar mostly. Now that every valuable pinball is being remade, the days of pinball being investment-grade collectibles is over. You missed it, people, with a few clusterfuck situations like Lebowski and Alien and, and as exceptions. Again, these were not expected to be limited and a rare thing. I'll just It just happened that way. There were a few more like this over the next couple of years as other companies fail. But do you really want to pay $20,000 for a game with no support? What do you think? Well, look, Steve, we talk about this all the time. <sighs> pinball is a weird hobby for me because I do think the LEs are designed as collectibles. And I think if you get the right number of LEs and you get the game good enough, it will be something people will want to collect and own for a very long time. And it the game has to be great. It can't be a, just rare. It can't be a shitty game. It can't have no support. If I were to look at all the games right now and say, well, what's really held its value or gone up in value, minus all the games you've talked about right now, which are like the Aliens and the Lebowskis, you know, the, the, 
the manufactured rarity, not even manufactured, like rarity by by unfortunate circumstance. And I wouldn't want to own those games because I think they're ticking time bombs. You know, I, 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 I'm not saying this because I have it, but like I think the only game that's like, I think, a collectible right now that's going to keep going up in value for the most part uh, is is a Batman LE and an SLE because they're such it's such a good game and there's just so few of them. In total, there's only 240 Batman LEs. That's only 120 in the United States, and the SLEs even even rarer. And they were meant to be collectibles, and I think they they actually in the end they turned out to be that because of just no, but because of how great the game is, and also how great the game looks i think people who own those games have a real sense of pride in what they have i think there's a few other titles like that but for the most part all the collectibles from the 90s if they're remade yeah they're going to struggle to to hold value for sure all right let me go on a few more then we gotta go gotta go to work um got an email from david dennis he writes new to the hobby with an interesting perspective uh lots he writes a lot here but he said he just joined the hobby uh, he 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 haven't he hasn't experienced the past dramas of Zidware and other things going on. I want to read his quick thoughts. He writes: North America's blow. We blow our excess cash on hobbies, be it pinball, motorcycles, snowboarding, or vacations. Everyone has something they waste money on, and we have chosen pinball. We're no different than any other hobby or niche. I recently joined a league because I wanted to meet people and play many different machines without spending a lot on coin drops. I would never buy a machine from any manufacturer who has only built one or two machines with 2,000 total unit sales when I can see the industry struggles with startups going bust with people's money. Stern and JJP are likely the only manufacturers I'd consider maybe spooky. Until you prove yourself, there's no way I'm going to lose $6,000 with non-delivery or poor quality. Stern has some great bang for the buck, but they are a little lacking on imagination. If I had 10 grand today, which I don't, would I buy a machine with pin side club thread that looks nothing is ever working? Perception is reality and a quick Googling can kill your sales. Their theme is king. I'm not going to buy a machine that I can't take pride in or doesn't speak to me. Oh, the art is crap, but it shoots great. It breaks often, but it's moving under upper play field. You can't make the ramp to lock the ball in the sword, but it looks cool. The first Pirates of the Caribbean was a good movie, remember? And those are quotes that he writes about how people, you know, are always trying to sell us on the games. He writes, I'd never buy a machine without playing it. It's just like I'd never buy a house without walking through it. I want to have fun. I don't want to be punished and get angry trying to keep my ball alive for more than a minute. I want to walk up and play, not study a rule book or spreadsheet. I don't want to solder ever. I'm not going to buy an LE because that seems like a lot of money for some plastic toys and a plaque. Pinball is a depreciating asset, so I don't want to lose my shirt on a purchase, and I'd rather a game that mostly keeps its value. I'm considering a Ustron Pro, so if a vault uh, came out, it would make my purchase shit. Thanks a bunch. P.S. Congrats on the Stella and very uh, nice ad. All right, so... Thank you, David. And sorry, guys. Sometimes I like when I'm reading, I'm reading fast and, and the font is small on my Gmail. I stumble a little bit. But look, David, first of all, welcome to the hobby. Welcome to the world of pinball. And yes, we all do blow our money on pinball machines. None of us really need a pinball in our lives, but we're addicted to the fun that it presents. Um, I think you have some a, a good approach. Play the game you love. Enjoy it. 
it sounds like if you if you're in a league and you're having fun, you might just might even stop there. You you know the notion that you need to bring a machine home and have it in your house is is not really necessary if you are in close proximity to location play. Uh, but every time I go out to location, a lot of times these places don't maintain the pins very well. So uh, you can't go wrong with the Tron Pro. I would just wait to see if Tron Vault comes out this year. All right, I got an email from. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there because I, I got more emails. We'll, we'll have we'll have more people's commentary on, on a future show. That was episode 310 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. In closing, in closing, I just want to say we are coming up on a period. I've said this before, where there's just not a ton gonna happen. Not a ton's gonna happen. I think what if I had a wish for what I hope happens in the next month or so, it's that more people get their Alice Coopers. More people get their pirates. Pirates pirates are shipping also very slowly. More people get their Monster Bash remake LEs. And enjoy your pins. You know, something I've been doing recently more and more and more of is just been turning on my Batman and enjoying it. I do think there's like a new light show when you get to the villain escape that's absolutely incredible. And what I love about Batman, and I'm going to end on someone else's comment that they wrote, uh, what I love about Batman is I love how many different ways there are to tackle the game and how easy it is to figure out your strategy going in. You know, you could either go for minor villains, you could go for major villains. You you have very clear goals on what you want to achieve, and it's super simple to get. If I jail two major villains, I get an extra ball. If I hit 20 combo shots, I get an extra ball. Uh, if I... Jail all the major villains. I get to the that wizard mode. If I, if I if I jail three villains from the the minor villains in each season, I get to the three wizard modes that await there, and I can select which ones they are. And that's pretty much kind of it. You know, there's other things layered in for deeper players, and like, but but for the most part, for the most part, I just I think the game is is super fun because of how easy it is to jump into and understand. Uh, I want to read something that someone wrote, and then I want to end on this, because I think this sort of summarizes how a lot of us feel about this hobby. And and I think the subject was, happiness is dot, dot, dot. And this is from Pinside member Cotton M4. And he writes, he's from Kansas, being retired, waking up on a cold day, cranking up the furnace, putting a pot of coffee on to brew, turning on a couple of pins to get them warmed up crawling back under the covers until the coffee is ready and then turning on the radio and listening to the helicopter reporter bleeding about the traffic snarl at exit 13 and then you plunge the ball and that is why pinball is amazing that last part was me but i think he hit it on the head ultimately these machines are fun and we have a good time with them. We have a good time going back and forth, speculating on the companies. There's now 35 pinball podcasts out there. There's so many of them. How many can you listen to at once? Uh, but but pinball has a ways to go to get back to the magic. And that is why you listen to this podcast. Because some games are special. But the majority of them coming out these days, I just don't think they're capturing the magic. And it's because they don't have the creative director sitting over it all that has a vision from day one. 
I think a lot of these pinball machines, it's like they're building the ship in the ocean and they're just, they're throwing stuff down, you know, and it just, it just doesn't feel like it has the same cohesive magic of some of the other stuff we've seen. Uh, but for the most part, all of us can stand in front of a pinball machine and have a good time. And that's really what it's all about. So everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. This was episode 310 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Does it all-